Food systems has become a very popular term in the fields of agriculture, nutrition, and health. But what does it mean to have a food systems perspective? How do food systems address the triple burden of malnutrition? And what can countries learn from one another to strengthen their own food systems? Dr. Ruard Rubin of Wageningen University in the Netherlands and Dr. Namukolo Kovic of the International Food Policy Research Institute are both involved with the CGIAR Research Program on Agriculture for Nutrition and Health's flagship research program on food systems for healthier diets. In this two-part podcast, hear a recent conversation they had on what it means to take a global perspective on food systems and how this approach is changing the way we look at hunger and malnutrition. Dr. Rubin and Dr. Kovic, how do countries implement a food systems approach, and what are the challenges of doing that? How do they identify precisely where interventions are needed? You really have to look at linkages across the entire food system so that whatever the country does, developments in one area, for example, should not become a major trade-off in another area. So for that to happen, you really have to have deliberate linkages being developed through the policy instruments that are put in place, but also through the way in which uh, markets function uh, in relation to providing better quality foods and, and better quality diets in the end. I think we have in, in agriculture development much emphasis has been placed on producing more food and in a certain way better food and better quality and, and better in terms of nutri- nutritional value. But uh, uh, changes also happen if you start thinking about the way in which, you, in which the food is distributed and in which uh, consumption is organized. For instance, if you want to uh, uh, enhance the demand for healthier foods in an urban or peri-urban environment, uh, it is very important to look at the way where people, the places where people buy food. Eh? If they go to the market or they might go to the supermarket, in some places it might be even more effective to uh, have communication uh, through modern media and to mobile phone messages in order to uh, provide them with key information about uh, uh, other nutritional opportunities. It might even be necessary in some places where women are not entitled to do their own shopping to organize a home delivery of, uh, of healthy foods or bringing, bringing it closer to the consumer. That we, we call that nudging nowadays, so it is, it is not so much the supply of food that's the, the, the most limiting factor, but demand of food, uh, uh, both in terms of information and in terms of affordability, uh, where you can uh, really make a, a big changes in the organization of, of what we call the food environment, uh, uh, the way in which food reaches consumers, and then starting with, with a, 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 a better articulation of demand with the different uh, supply options instead of the other way around. One of the challenges that I have seen, for example, on the African continent is that countries have focused so much on reducing hunger, and it's reducing Mm. hunger primarily by producing more staples. And that has sort of like taken a lot of focus of the investments that governments have put into the agriculture sector. The input programs have been uh, geared towards supporting staple production. So essentially, we haven't done as much towards 
improving the supply of fruits and vegetables and animal source foods. So those foods have been increasing in prices um, to a much greater extent than, for example, staple foods. So while we are saying we require um, better diets, uh, more balanced and diverse diets, the policies that have been in place in terms of promoting agriculture have not really shown the same kind of, of focus. So what Rube is saying in terms of uh, households having access to different types of foods, those foods have to be affordable. Um, and the agriculture system must actually support uh, the kind of developments that need to take place to provide that supply. Yeah, no, you are totally right. Let's say a healthy diet at this moment uh, is a relatively costly diet in many uh, uh, situations. Eh? So vegetables, uh, fish, uh, pulses, uh, animal-based foods, they are usually more expensive compared to the traditional cereals or the starchy staples. Uh, and that has a lot to do with the fact that, that, that most of the investments, the public investment and partly the private investment, were, were geared towards uh, the objective of producing more food. Now, if we shift to better foods, we, have, we cannot do it anymore in the same way. So we, we do need substantial investments in, for instance, uh, a cool change for the, for the dairy products, uh, 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 good storage and transport facilities for vulnerable products like eggs, like, like fruits and vegetables. Uh, and uh, uh, there is uh, uh, little possibilities that that will be organized only by public investment systems. So we have to link up uh, directly with traders and with retailers, both in open markets as well as in the more modern supermarkets. Uh, uh, to get uh, relationships between the retail and the producers that enables them to invest in cost-reducing activities, in more efficiencies, also more sustainable uh, organizational supply chain, because those modern supply chains are also very energy-intensive in a certain way. And so that, that are the challenges where we have to plug in uh, far more creative uh, uh, investment uh, parties uh, and try to increase the volume of those products in such a way that the prices can go down. I think an additional problem there, Rod, is also the fact that the transport networks are usually not very well yeah. developed. So yeah. that creates an additional barrier to the development of markets. So that's another area where efforts are actually needed. Yeah, that is certainly the public part. Transport versus food um, and, and quality of diets, but that is critical, I think. Are these challenges countries are facing across the board? Are they localized or universal in nature? No, they are quite different in terms of locations, urban and rural, and in even, let's say, in peri-urban settings, you notice that, let's say, the development of, of markets and infrastructure, as mentioned by Noam Kulo, is, is, is really different. Some countries, Asian countries, have a better developed infrastructural system than some of the uh, uh, landlocked uh, uh, sub-Saharan African countries. Uh, so there are big differences in terms of uh, what has been done for the, uh, for public investment uh, communications and road infrastructure. 
Uh, but uh, uh, sometimes you can uh, uh, really make an, an advance because uh, of uh, the fact that you uh, are able to uh, uh, to avoid the problems that many of the Western countries has in phys- physical infrastructure because communication infrastructure development goes extremely fast. Uh, so Kenya is an example where uh, me people already use mobile phones for uh, uh, purchase transactions and, and transfer of uh, of money. Uh, that type of system is in, in many European countries not even well developed. Uh, and it can now be used uh, for bringing to their uh, attention uh, particular food offers, particular opportunities for uh, uh, convenient uh, food purchases. So you can uh, uh, sometimes have an advantage of the backwardness in terms of your infrastructure, uh, but certainly uh, the, 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 let's say, the minimum conditions for bringing food from peri-urban areas to urban centers uh, depend on the, uh, uh, the development level of the country and the investment that could be made earlier in terms of infrastructure. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, and uh, Really, I don't know how we can make the best use of cell phone technology on the African continent. I think because of the fact that we didn't have very good telephone networks to start with, the mobile phone technology has taken off uh, quite significantly and very quickly. But I think we need to find ways of taking advantage of that uh, more effectively um, in terms of managing food systems and trying to bring on board some of the developments that would be desirable. Yeah. Uh, uh, on the other hand, that particularly in urban and peri-urban areas, consumers are not shifting too easily to fast food and to uh, uh, a type of, uh, of food systems that challenges again uh, the overweight and obesity dimensions. And that also goes very fast. I'm sometimes impressed to see how many home delivery of pizzas and, and other fast food already exist in Asian and African countries. So, uh, well, you have an advantage in, 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 in terms of technology. Uh, that's not always balanced with the way in which information uh, and, and other type of incentive are reaching consumers. Because poor consumers uh, also in urban and peri-urban areas face multiple challenges, not only in terms of monetary resources, but also in terms of their time. Uh, and they might be inclined to make a kind of dietary transition in the wrong way. So we have to be certainly worried about the ways in which information and products reach the uh, the more vulnerable consumers and how we can steer their behavior in a way uh, that benefits them and, and the future generations. I think that brings another issue that... Um I think we don't often deal with, and that is the aspirations of uh, poor people as they uh, gain more income in terms of what they want to eat. So a lot of the foods that people then aspire for, unfortunately at the moment, tends to be foods that are very energy-dense, uh, but very little uh, nutrient density in terms of other nutrients that are required by the person. So I think the food systems approach then provides an advantage in that it allows you to also pay attention to the food environment and the consumer environment 
in terms of affecting the choices that people make because that's an area that also needs some attention for us to move in a more positive direction in the types of nutrition transitions that are actually taking place. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I would say there are some promising signs that the, 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 the way in which people evolve in terms of their dietary preferences and their uh, uh, the nutrient choices uh, over the lifetime that that are things that are not mechanical you can influence it uh, through behavioral change through communication i think there are very interesting outcomes nowadays of uh, of school feeding programs that also influence uh, fathers and mothers at home to uh, prepare foods in a different way so you have to start in a, at a very early stage uh, already there are also uh, uh, I would say uh, promising examples of uh, value change where uh, from tomatoes and other fresh commodities where uh, the close integration between producers and retailers made uh, products uh, really affordable uh, throughout the whole year for uh, groups of consumers. So uh, uh, the, the, uh, let's say the change of food systems and the, the evolution is not only guided by uh, economic and, and, and political laws, uh, but they, uh, there are uh, different ways, uh, uh, both through pricing and through communication and through organization, to uh, enhance uh, poor people's choices in, in towards a direction that also suits them in the short and in the long run. I think that is probably one of the areas where we can learn from um, developed countries, and I think the Netherlands seem to be moving in a more positive direction here, and there would be some lessons for um, somebody like me uh, from a developing country, um, so that we that the direction in which a country like the Netherlands seems to be moving now in terms of influencing the food environment and food choices in a more positive direction, that's an area where. African countries, for example, could probably benefit in terms of lessons to try and redirect and not have to go first in a bad direction and then go and rethink in a more positive direction. So I think there are areas uh, where lessons can be learned there as well. But be careful, we are also struggling with uh, uh, some of the same problems, in particularly, particularly the problems of overweight and obesitas. And one of our major discussions is, is really about how to organize the internal structure of a, a, a supermarket, for instance. Would you still afford that uh, uh, sweets, for instance, are sold close to the, uh, to the cashier outlet because that provides a kind of incentive for kids uh, to make last-minute purchases? And uh, that's not easy. That's not uh, You have to convince private sector to make those changes. Uh, we do have an environment where those discussions take place and perhaps we provide a lesson, but there are still many things uh, also in the very little, little tiny uh, organization of food systems close to people, where do they buy, what is how to make uh, uh, healthy food convenient and less healthy food perhaps a, a little bit less attractive. Those are the yeah, the changes that we are also experiencing a little bit, a kind of laboratory approach, searching for what best suits us and what might suit perhaps also other countries in the world. Yeah, I think the, the, lessons, the lesson for me, I think, is in the fact that you have started the discussions and looking at 
is there another way of doing things? Uh, for the most part, in, in many developing countries, that conversation hasn't even started. Yeah, and that is since, since the, the only way to deal with a food systems approach is bringing all stakeholders around the table and make them uh, partly responsible for their contribution to uh, a better food systems and for uh, a kind of accompanied diet transition. That can only take place if stakeholders, both public and private, and let's say different social groups, when they uh, st start interacting. And, and I think that is some, something that underlies any changes in, in food systems that may take, take place later on. Thank you again to Ruud Rubin and Namukolo Kovic for sharing their thoughts on food systems. To learn more about this topic, please visit the CGIAR Research Program on Agriculture for Nutrition and Health at a4nh.cgiar.org.